My favorite quote of all time, with no hyperbole, are these words written by Henry David Thoreau. I have learned that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Over the years, it has been much more than a quote to me. It has been a mantra and a compass. And when I recite it in my mind, there are three main ideas that stick with me. One, we must keep moving. Against all odds, fears, foes, doubts, challenges, and obstacles, we must advance. As we talked about in our Meaning of Life episode, progress equals happiness. And the only way to truly fail at achieving anything is to stop trying. Two, we must have a vision for where we are going. A life that we imagine for ourselves. And this vision is steeped in a feeling, emotions, how we want to feel every day. And three, if we are willing to do the work, stay true to ourselves and step forward through our fears, then success will come. Maybe not when we expect it, maybe not when we want it, maybe not the way we planned, but it will come and it will be worth the ride. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. On this week's show, we look to answer the question, what is success to you? We ask, how do you know if you're on the right track in life or if it's time to make a change? We bring on entrepreneur and fellow podcaster, Brendan Hufford, to discuss one of the great predictors of success and how we can create it. And of course, our clip of the week, some special shout outs, and even a karma boost. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. I'm Larry Sanders. I'm a person. I'm a father. I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. I'm a musician. And sometimes I play basketball. That is former NBA player Larry Sanders in a video he released back in February sharing his reasons for walking away from a successful NBA career a year and a half into his four-year contract extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. Larry Sanders is one of many people in the public eye that have walked away from their perceived success for personal reasons. From Dave Chappelle in 2005 to NFL player Chris Borland a few weeks ago. From Jerry Seinfeld in 1998 to Zayn Malik of One Direction just a few days ago. I say perceived success as we explore the meaning of that word success in this episode. And I will suggest that each of these people, for different unique reasons, got to a point where their life no longer felt like success to them. Some people find that hard to grasp and Larry Sanders understands that his NBA career it seems to be a desirable, lucrative uh, job and position. So people say, oh, how could, how could you be unhappy there? How could that be a place you don't want to be? But many of us know, even if we forget it, that a title or an income or a sense of power can't buy you happiness. Or as the Beatles pointed out, love. Dave Chappelle walked away from at least $40 million. Chris Borland walked away from $1.85 million and gave back over $400,000 of his signing bonus. And Jerry Seinfeld reportedly turned down $100 million for one more season of Seinfeld to focus on his personal life and have a family. You know, values and the relationship with the people I love around me, you know, that's like my real riches. You know, my lasting wealth. You know, happiness isn't behind a golden gate. 
Um, you know, happiness is really an uh, internal thing. The choices these people made might seem crazy to some. They think, why would someone walk away from so much money or power or fun or celebrity? Let's go back to that Thoreau quote. I have learned that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. In order to meet success, we must endeavor to live the life we have imagined for ourselves, not the life others might have imagined for us. We must stay true to ourselves, and if we do, then success will come in common hours. And only if we do that will success come. Because if we don't stay true to ourselves, then we will end up with someone else's definition of success, not our own. And surprise, surprise, that won't feel like success at all. Instead of success unexpected, you'll just end up with, well, the unexpected. This is the piece? This is the piece? Yes. Are you telling me that this is it? This is scenery? Have you ever been to Stonehenge? No, the I haven't been to Stonehenge. Are, the triptychs are 20 feet high. You can stand four men up on Ian, I was, I was this out is, of the this is So what is success for you? Maya Angelou once defined it as success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. Thomas Edison, a man with a thousand patents under his belt, said, success is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And John Wooden, legendary UCLA basketball coach and a great teacher, had this to say in a TED Talk. I coined my own definition of success, which is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. And here's what I'll say about all those definitions and many others you surely heard. Blah, 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 blah. The thing is, while these definitions are nice, they bear no relevance to you. Because these people are not you. And remember, we're talking about your definition of success, the life you've imagined. So how do you define that? When talking about success, most people start with the what. What does it look like? What have I achieved? What do I have? The problem is that the what doesn't really matter that much. And in many cases, people don't even know what the what is. What the what? So when I coach people, I always start with the feeling. I ask, describe how success feels to you. Even someone who dreams of something very tangible, like winning the Super Bowl or holding an Oscar, they're chasing a feeling. You like me right now. You like me. I take this idea of feelings and I blend it with a concept from entrepreneur Frank Kern. Frank's belief is that if we want to understand what our ideal life looks like, we must break it down and understand what our ideal day looks like. And so he asks, If there were no limitations or consequences, what would your perfect average day look like? I love this. People often rank success by title, money, achievements, etc. But isn't it really more about how we feel every day? Isn't it more about living a life that day in, day out you enjoy? Isn't it about being someone that you like, that you respect? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you could live your perfect average day every day? I haven't always understood this consciously, but the idea seems to have been percolating in me for a while. Since I was in my early 20s, I've had a vision for my life. 
And even though I wasn't calling it this at the time, it is my perfect average day. In this vision, it is early morning, and I am the only one awake in the house. I step outside onto my deck, which is coated in morning dew. I'm barefoot, and my hand is a hot cup of coffee. I take a sip, and I breathe in the crisp morning air. I stare out into the world. The view could be anything, a backyard, an ocean, a forest. I don't know for sure. I just know that it makes me smile. In my peripheral vision, I can see my laptop computer open on the table just inside. I don't know what I do, but it, it feels creative. I could be a writer, an entrepreneur, an artist of some sort. I never knew. It didn't matter in the vision. And then I walk into the bedroom and my wife is still sleeping in bed. And I bring in some breakfast to her. She sits up and smiles. And as she sips and bites her breakfast, our two young kids run into the room and jump onto the bed to join us. I've had that vision for most of my adult life. And everything I've done professionally has been with an intention to move toward it. And as you heard in that vision, there are details to feel, but not a lot of specifics. And I don't know what I do, where we live, if we rent or own, if it's a house or a hut, a condo or a flat, none of that matters. What matters is the feelings and the general concepts that feed those feelings. You know, there's a lot of love in that vision and space. It feels creative. You know, my work is flexible and can be done from anywhere. I enjoy what I do. I'm happy. I'm loved. I take the time to breathe and soak things in. It is my perfect average day. Just like mine, your vision starts with a feeling. It starts with how you want to feel every day. Wherever you're listening to this right now, whatever you're doing, take a moment and imagine what is your perfect average day? How does it feel? Where are you? Who's around you? Can you feel it? Seriously, take a moment and picture it. We've got time. Now, one caveat I will add to this comes from Alain de Baton philosopher and founder of the School of Life. He warns, and I think it's valuable and insightful advice, that you can't be successful at everything. Um, we hear a lot about talk about work-life balance nonsense. You can't have it all. You can't. So any vision of success has to admit what it's losing out on, where the element of loss is. Uh, and I think so as much as I love my vision, the dew on my feet, the perfect cup of coffee, the family, the smiles, it makes me want to edit it a bit. And add a part where the toast burns as I'm standing on the deck and I feel a bit more nervous about a big meeting I have that day. I like that this not only paints more realistic pictures for our life, but I imagine the expectations of loss, challenges, sacrifices also create more compassion for the journey. And so we imagine this vision for our life. We get ourselves on track and we set out to create it. Please keep your hands and arms inside the train and remain seated at all times. However, sometimes, even when we focus on the feelings we desire, when we get there or we get close, it's not what we imagined it would be. Or maybe something changed along the way for you or in the environment around you. And when this happens, we need to gather the courage to simply get off the ride 
and choosing to get off that ride often takes more strength than it ever took to get on it in the first place. But if we can do it, then we become the Larry Sanders, Jerry Seinfeld, and Dave Chappelle's of the world. People who walked away from capital S dictionary success because it no longer was a success they envisioned for themselves. But how do we really know when the path we're on is no longer serving us? Look, it's easy to get paralyzed by indecision. You know, you think, I'm not sure if this is right, but I don't know if it's wrong. Uh, possibly more information will come tomorrow. So instead of either getting off the ride or choosing to stay on, people just sit there and let the world happen to them. These choices aren't easy, and I imagine the people who have decided to get off the ride did so after contemplating their decision to walk away for months or even years. So again, how do we know if the path we're on is no longer serving us? Well, I think one hint might be an envy. How we start feeling about the joy and happiness of others around us. When we are living the life we have imagined for ourselves, I find we are so much more enthusiastic and supportive of others and their success. You know, it struck me a few years ago that it is my most successful friends who support other people the best. And if we haven't made the point yet, when I say successful here, I do not mean the most wealthy or well-known. I mean the ones who are most satisfied with their life and who they are. They are the ones who always go the extra mile. They are the ones who make that connection for you, do something for nothing, and are most enthusiastic about your wins. You know, flip side, those who don't like their work or their lives or themselves, not so much. This is what really snapped me into action a few years ago. You know, after many years of feeling successful, I started to notice that instead of being excited for people when they were living their success, I was bitter and resentful. I started to notice that instead of respecting everyone's own vehicles or paths, I started to judge them. I became self-absorbed and the sound loop in my mind became, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Instead of what can I give? Of course, I didn't notice this at first. And then even when I started to, I just thought I was in a bad mood that day or that month. Eventually it hit me. And when it did, it was glaringly obvious, as these ahas often are. I wasn't living the life I had imagined for myself. I was holding myself back, being someone I wasn't at times, and letting my fears stop me. And what you are listening to right now, this podcast, is a result of a two-year journey to find that feeling again. To get back to that life I started imagining for myself almost two decades ago. I needed to get back to the feelings in that vision, the creativity, the space, the giving, the appreciation, the joy, because I had a lot of things, but someone was missing, me. If inside each and every one of us is one true authentic swing, something we was born with, something that's ours and ours alone, something can't be taught to you or learned, something that got to be remembered. And so I am speaking to you right now in the midst of my change. And just like Larry Sanders, I have no idea where these steps will take me. And while I'm excited for the possibilities in front of me, I'm also scared. In the coming month, I will be leaving behind a place I have lived for almost 19 years. 
I will walk away from opportunities and income and comfort, but it is time. And I know that if I advance confidently in the direction of my dreams and endeavor to live the life I have imagined, I will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Hey listeners, this is Brett Guida, and I just wanted to take a moment here while everyone is listening to say how inspired we are by all the interactions with people out there because of where there's smoke. This episode is about success, and one of the really cool pieces for me is meeting amazing, creative, caring, successful people. People out there doing their thing and letting us know that our thing is making a difference to them. You know, here are just a few of the awesome listeners we've met in the past couple of weeks. A week and a half ago, we got an email from a listener named Troy Bunting in Chicago. That email led to a conversation about what's next for him and how he defines his success. It very much inspired this episode. Troy opened up to me like we'd known each other for years, and we connected on many topics, from losing our dads to finding our path. Fru Loves in London radiates happiness and success as an advocate of the mind, body, and soul balance. Her energy and spirit are contagious, and we are so grateful for the love that she's giving us on Twitter and Facebook. We met Kevin Tumlinson, the wordslinger, through Twitter, and within days we were bantering back and forth like we'd been friends since college. And then, Kevin invited Nick and I to be on his wordslinger podcast. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Which was a total blast, and we got to talk a little more about the creative process behind Where There's Smoke. Check out that show if looking behind the curtain interests you. Kevin is a guy definitely living the life he imagined for himself and helping others do the same. A few days ago, Annie Wood and I had no idea who each other were, and now Where There's Smoke is her fave podcast. And I'm an all-out fan of hers as well. Talk about success. And Annie is the creator and star of the show Karma's a Bitch on YouTube. It's just that we give people so many chances to get it right. And still, some people, well, some people, they just, they have no regard for anybody but themselves. And it just pisses me off. Each episode is bite-sized goodness. Check it out. Everyone could use a little more karma in their life. And Bassam Tarazi, a guest from a few weeks ago and another success Avenger, introduced Where There's Smoke to video journalist and food enthusiast Katie Q. Katie loves the show and sent out some awesome tweets about it. And though she normally makes videos about food, she shared a video with me called The Accident That Changed My Life. How about this for a little success wisdom? You know, life might not always pan out the way we think it will or the way we want it to, but then some really incredible unexpected things can unfold. Through every challenge, we become stronger. And in the end, it really is all about love. I will include links to all of these people in the show notes. Check them out. And there are so many more I could name. I just want you all to know what it means to me and Nick to be able to connect with you out there. And have this be more than just a weekly podcast, but to be a community of sorts, like our own little cheers bar. For me, I feel successful when I can authentically reach out to such amazing people. And when people feel free to reach out to me for support, that means I'm putting the vibe I want out there. I want to help. And if you think I can help you, I want you to ask. 
So I extend that invitation to you, our listeners. Reach out anytime. Our email is connect at where there's smoke.co. You can leave a voicemail through our website or you can tweet me at Brett Gaida. Stay connected and thank you for being you. The tide of awesomeness in my life has risen with all of you in it. As I was researching this week's episode, I came across a TED Talk entitled The Key to Success. In it, psychologist Angela Lee Duckworth explored the answer to that question and what her and her research team found in studying a wide array of environments was that one characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success, and it was grit. She describes it. Grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. Grit is sticking with your future, day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years. Now, as great as that is, she also admits that they don't really know how to create grit. Hence, it was only a six minute long presentation. So I reached out to a really awesome human being this week to continue the conversation on success, but also to dig into this idea of grit. Where does it come from? How do we build it? I initially met Brendan Hufford through his podcast, Entrepreneurs in Coffee, where he has interviewed people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Chris Brogan. Brendan and I have spoken a few times now, and I am just so impressed with who he is and his focus on creating the life he wants. He is the assistant principal at a really rad high school, as he puts it. While raising a new baby with his wife, he has also grown a side business from $0 to six figures over the past year. We jump into the conversation as Brendan is sharing with me when he became clear on what success meant to him. And then we delve into the topic of grit. I guess for me, the moment when it really hit home, when things changed drastically, like I've always had very entrepreneurial DNA and I've always been this way. Like I'm the kid who was burning CDs in high school and from like rented CDs from the library and selling them to his (laughs) friends. You know, that was the best. I was, you know, running circles around kids in elementary school and we had like a business competition. It was ridiculous. So when I look back at my story, like this has always been a part of it. And it really hit home when I was in the hospital. My son was born with what's called a pneumothorax, which means he takes his first breath and his lung rips a little bit and some air gets in there. And it heals pretty quickly, but They had him like in the oxygen tent under the heat lamp and whatever else was really terrifying to have him like whisk away right away when he's born. And then they found out he had an infection. And because my wife had been on antibiotics uh, at the end of her pregnancy, we couldn't tell what that was. We just knew he had indicators of it. So we had to sit in the NICU for like a week. And everybody called my son the big baby because he was past full term and he was completely healthy. He just might have an infection. And I saw like, horrific isn't the right word, but it's the first one that comes to mind. I saw like these horrific things with like babies whose parents never came to visit them and babies just like with health problems that just shattered your heart. And I remember like one night being over, they had him in this like little like baby bed crib thing. It was like a plastic tub almost. It sounds horrible, but it makes sense in context. And I remember I'm standing over him He's hooked up to all the machines and I have like both hands on both sides. I remember looking down at him like I never really had my dad in my well, he was in my life, but like not. I saw him like every other weekend my whole life. That's just how it was. And 
I looked at him and I, I remember telling him, promising him, like, this is not going to be me. This is not going to be like what your life is like. You know, I'm going to have time with you. I'm going to walk like success for me is going to be walking him to school every single morning and picking him up from school every single afternoon. And success for me is having the option to homeschool if we want. Um, success for me is a lot of things revolving my son, but I think that's because, and we talk about lifestyle, it's all about that. Like, it's all about my family. Like, I'll hustle my face off, and luckily I have my my wife kind of as my governor to reel me back in, but everything I'm doing is because of kind of that moment and the promise I made to him, and I've re-promised him multiple random times throughout, like, he's one and a half, so throughout his, his short time with us but that's really what it is for me like that's success for me right you know i just know that that's such a huge part of of success is is you know the ability to keep moving forward no matter what happens and you're obviously someone who's exemplified that what would be your kind of take or insights on you know how do you keep that grit or or you know how do you how do you manage to persevere in 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 times where you know it does get hard so i think there's kind of two parts to that question how do you have grit like how do we make it and then how do we keep it once we've kind of met some level of success right like if i meet uh, an intermediary goal let's say i wanted to make $100,000 in one year. And I set that as a goal and I meet that. Well, how do I keep that grit going forward? Like I met my goal. How do I not just check out? Mm-hmm. I think first, and this is just something having worked where I've worked for eight years, I work at a really amazing school in Gary, Indiana. And all of the schools I've ever worked at have been very low, like socioeconomic status. And these kids have grit in spades. Um, for every, for as much as we hear about dropout rates and we hear about other, these other statistics of people that we would assume would be quitters, these kids do think that's just their in school life. Like these kids are survivors. These kids are hungry. These kids are fired up to make it work and they'll do whatever they have to. And I don't either understand exactly how to make grit in all kids. I think that sport is a great way to build it. I also think that, and I know it sounds silly because you don't want to like self-induce poverty, but I think poverty makes you humble and it makes you hungry in a way that other circumstances don't. When you see the direct correlation between work and success and you see it in a very tangible way versus like, yeah, my dad goes to work and I guess he pays for things. I'm not really sure. But when you see people lose their, you know, I saw my mom lose her job four or five times growing up. And I saw her give up probably from ages 27 to 47, gave up her whole life, had no hobbies, no nothing, no like extra stuff in her life. She was so focused on me that no matter what anybody tells me, like I saw grit exemplified and you, you know, I know now as a parent, I can tell my kid all sorts of stories and make them listen to my podcast and whatever else, but he's going to live based on what I do and not primarily what I say. So I think the biggest way to build grit is to, you know, if you're a parent or a teacher or in any type of place, you know, a podcaster where you can influence other people is to show grit in your own life. I think the second part of that question of like, how do I keep it after I've met my goals? 
that's a hard question for me to answer because it being a very introspective person i'm constantly thinking of like how do i do this how do i manage to get through this how do i keep going like how do i get up at 3 a.m every single day like excited about this i don't know i guess sometimes i just pray that doesn't go away because i'm not sure necessarily why that is it's kind it's kind of how i'm wired but it's also again kind of that motivation you know i'm not motivated by necessarily bettering myself i'm not motivated by like things i want like oh i want to buy that car i want this house or whatever else um it's a very internal drive so well, i don't I th- know like, I, think- I don't, I don't want to just default to be like oh it's, it's my dna and you don't have that so good no luck. i mean like, i would actually so say sh- it, i would actually <laughs> say that it might come full circle to what we started talking about about your definition of success right mm-hmm. because you have a very clear defined definition of your success right and the two main things i heard were my family and being of service and so that's that intrinsic motivation you know you're getting out of bed at 3 a.m every day because you, you get charged up about being of service and doing anything that you know is helping you to be a better husband, father, family man. So I, I think it really comes, it comes back to that, right? What, what it is that success is for you and that intrinsically drives you, then that kind of fires the grit, so to speak, right? Yeah. And I, I unfortunately, here's the thing with being tenacious is especially see, like doing grappling and jujitsu and mixed martial arts and stuff you don't see it out of somebody the first time they walk into the gym. I feel very strongly that grit is something that's developed over time Hmm. um, through failing, failing often, uh, and sometimes failing big, Uh, you know, and you might not always, you might screw it up. You might quit for a little bit and like go home and throw your jujitsu gi in the garbage. And then you go back and you get your garbage gi and you wash it. And then you go back and train the next week and you just keep going like, it's a bunch of small decisions over time that add up to a very big grit. Um, some of the best grapplers, some of the best fighters I've ever seen, the guys who you can't break mentally, um, you can exhaust them, you can beat them up, and they just won't break. Those guys develop that over decades of training. God, I love that. I love that, Brennan, because what I, what I just heard you say is, you know, just kind of translating it in my brain is that grit is like a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to build it. And I do like to go what you said a second ago. I think sometimes people do think grit is something in your DNA, right? You know, people like right. to say that all the time. Well, I'm just not a disciplined person, or I'm just not a tenacious person, or I just don't really have that, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. resilience. And it's, that's all BS, right? It's that it, they're all muscles. We build them. So I love that. I think she think that is a really, really powerful answer. And so I think that's what I, what I kind of heard and what you just said is like, yeah, you're, you know, you got to build it and you got to build it. And it's probably going to be really uncomfortable and you're probably not going to want to do it. And it's probably not going to feel like who you are. But if you keep doing it over and over, it becomes who you are. And I think that's a huge point. You know, when I started building a business online or doing anything kind of on the side, I wasn't sure about myself. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. And when I heard Gary Vaynerchuk keep saying like, I have entrepreneurial DNA and I just, this is my DNA and blah, blah, blah. And I heard him say it in like 20 different keynotes. And I was like, I really thought about my story and I was like, I have that too. And I know it sounds silly, but like, I just kept repeating it to myself. 
and it became a part of my story. And like now I have like an unwavering belief about myself and I have an unwavering kind of, you know, confidence, arrogance, whatever, that I'm going to meet my goals. It's just a matter of time. And I have time, you know, I have a very specific timeline. I'm a hundred percent sure I'm going to meet that timeline. Is it going to be a ton of work? Yeah. And might I screw up? Yeah. But again, just to use, I love wrestling and grappling analogies, obviously, but that just, you get so comfortable in that uncomfortable space. You know, you said you were working with a coach and like getting successful is going to have to mean you're going to have to get really uncomfortable with stuff, but eventually, and I think this is a great example of what grit actually is, is when things get bad and the chips are down and like you start to get really nervous and you want to bail, like you feel so like, oh, oh, I know this space. Like I've been here a bunch of times. I'm super comfortable. Like I'll be all right. And I'll take it step by step, bit by bit, and I'll get out of it and I'll be fine. And the more you do that over time, start with small things and get into bigger stuff, I think it develops a very, very strong sense of grit. And then people outwardly see that in self-confidence. Right on, right on. So much of what you just shared really nails a lot of what I feel was kind of missing from this episode because that question was lingering of, well, well, what is grit and how do we create grit? And I think that so much of, of what you shared from the beginning, frankly, in your story and uh, at the end here, it really, really hammers at home. And uh, Brandon, I just want to say thank you for taking the time today. We've been talking for a few weeks about having you on the show. I'm glad we found a topic that we really felt we could, we could, we could, uh, you know, share some value with our listeners. And, and I, again, just thanks so much for taking the time. Of course, Brad. It's definitely, definitely a privilege and an honor to be able to chat with you. I appreciate awesome. it. Thanks, man. Brendan wanted me to let you know that he answers every tweet and direct message he gets on Twitter. If you want to interact with him there, he is at Brendan Hufford. You can also go to brendanhufford.com and definitely check out his podcast, Entrepreneurs and Coffee. The episode with Gary Vee just dropped this week, and every episode is full of tangible strategies for your business. So next week, we are going to sort of continue this conversation. In this episode, we talked about identifying your vision for success and the grit it takes to move toward that vision. I mentioned that you also need to move through your fears, and next week we will dig more into fear itself and its antidote, courage. So make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss the episode. We would hate to leave you behind. With that, we are close to the end of today's ride, but we still have a few loop-de-loops to go. Thank you to everyone who took the time this week to review the show on iTunes. We far exceeded our goal, and there could not have been a better week to do it, because last week, our eight weeks on the iTunes New and Noteworthy charts came to an end. We have been thrown out of the nest and now must fly with our own wings. So please, if you dig the show, keep sharing it with others. It is truly your enthusiasm that will fuel its growth. Speaking of enthusiasm, here are some shout outs. For the iTunes reviews, Yannick I from Switzerland, Old Dog New Tricks, and Kent Trabin from USA, and Mark Bussey in Canada, thank you again. And for the Twitter love, Mark Masters at Hey ID Group, at Blackaby Paul, Sarah Lyon, Will Bowen for continuing to spread the word, and for Sarah Dawson, I've got a virtual spoon of Nutella. 
and many, many, many more. Please continue to create conversations out there through iTunes reviews, as well as sharing things on Twitter and join our Facebook page. Where There's Smoke is written and hosted by me, Brett Gaida, and produced and edited by Nick Jaworski. Nick also runs Podcast Monster, and his company will help make your podcasts sound awesome. Check them out at podcastmonster.com. Our theme song was written and performed by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod. Hey, if you want to join our mailing list and stay in the loop, you have two options. One, pull out your phone right now and text the word SMOKE to 66866. Or two, go to our website at www.wherethersmoke.co. While you're there, you can also leave us a voicemail, feedback, questions, thoughts, ideas. You can also find show notes, which include links to all the clips we used in this episode, as well as links to anything else we referenced in the show, which this week includes some of those amazing, awesome, successful people I talked about in the middle of today's show. Please go check them out. And now it is time for our clip of the week. And there is no doubt that it goes to Larry Sanders for his powerful video message as to why he walked away from the NBA. Do yourself a favor and watch the complete video. I will link to it in the show notes. It personifies so much of what we talked about in this episode, as well as a topic of courage that we will discuss next week. With that, we leave you with one last message on success from the great Dickie Fox, with a little help from Dylan, of course. Hey, I don't have all the answers. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. If I pass this way again, you can rest assured. From the entire Where There's Smoke team, I'm Nick Jaworski. And I'm Brett Gaida. Go f*** yourself, San Diego. San Diego.